DiscerningHearts.com in cooperation with the Institute for Priestly Formation presents The Heart of Hope, Suffering and the Cross of Christ with Deacon James Keating. Deacon Keating is the Director of Theological Formation at the Institute for Priestly Formation located at Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. Deacon Keating has led more than 400 workshops on moral theology and spirituality and has authored numerous books including The Way of Mystery, Listening for Truth, and Spiritual Fatherhood. The Heart of Hope Suffering and the Cross of Christ, with Deacon James Keating. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We've been discussing suffering and the cross, our response to it, and God's loving action within it. Help us to understand what redemptive suffering is. Yes, I think it's uh, mostly... Uh, referred to in the in the expression, um, uh, offer it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that we might have learned as little children or something. When we are encouraged to offer it up, what first of all, what is it? It is the suffering that we're undergoing, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual. And we're offering it up for the welfare of another. So a friend of yours who is, is suffering, a friend of yours who is uh, in worse shape than you are, and we usually can imagine someone who's in worse shape than we are. So what we're doing is we are, instead of wallowing in our own pain, which is a pure uh, introspection or subjectivism, goes nowhere, just ends in the self. Instead of wallowing in our own pain, what we do is we use love and the energy of love to redirect that pain as an intercessory prayer for another. So I'm not going to uh, wallow in my pain and then perhaps in a case of displaced anger uh, be disproportionately mad at my children who come in late or my husband or my wife who do something, you know, very minor, but there's a big blow up because uh, I'm in such pain and it's a disproportionate mediation of that pain toward my husband or my children. Instead, what we want to do is we want to direct this pain and this suffering, and we're using our imagination, and we are taking this pain and we're suffering, and we're imagining, let's say, our aunt who's in a nursing home, and we're saying, I'm going to link this pain to my love for you in my love for Christ. Okay, so I'm linking my pain to my love for my aunt, in my love for Jesus. So the pain is being diffused as an intercessory prayer rather than wallowing in subjectivism and self-pity or disproportionate response to minor incidences in my family. My pain all of a sudden becomes a conveyance for love. And of course, the only reason we can do this is because of God. God approaches all of us with his own one single will. And his one single will is our well-being. So what we're doing is we're linking up our pain and our suffering out of love for our relative or friend, connecting that in faith 
to God's one universal will, our well-being. And our pain becomes a prayer to God to ease the pain of the one we love. Therefore, our pain is enriched with meaning, and it's not meaningless. It's not absurd. It's not irrational. Our own suffering, our own finitude, sickness, in elderly people, our decrepitude, our moving toward death, none of this is no longer meaningless because it's no longer isolated. We are moving our human condition as a prayer toward the welfare of another, not from our own power, that would only be wishful thinking, but in the power of Jesus, who can will all good for all people. Uh, Imagination is very important, and we have to distinguish here between imagination and fantasy, because some people would say, well, that's just stupid. I mean, you're sitting around imagining your aunt in the nursing home, and that's going to help her. The reason it's not fantasy is because you're linking one reality, your pain, to another reality, the suffering of your aunt in the nursing home, to the greatest of all realities, the love of God and his universal will for our well-being. So it's an act of imagination in faith. And the imagination part, of course, is you're imaging the suffering of your beloved, of your, of your loved ones. You're not there with her, you're imaging it. But you're connecting that imagination to these spheres of reality. I am really in pain. My aunt is really in pain. I really love her. God really loves us both. And so I'm connecting this pain to that great mystery of, of love, which unifies us all. So it's not a fantasy, which would mean that it's disconnected from reality. That's all fantasy is. But it's an act of faithful spirit-filled imagination. It's the deepest entering into prayer, isn't it? It, it is, because it, you're really being taken up into uh, Christ's prayer on the cross, you know, where he unified his suffering in love with the Father's love for him and his own sacred heart, his own love of all of the people of the world. And so in that power, in that reality, you're uniting, as Paul said, I'm making up in what is lacking in the suffering of Christ. Well, in redemptive suffering, in this intercessory prayer, we're beginning to touch upon a little bit what Paul meant. Not that Christ's cross was insufficient, but that Christ's cross has yet to embrace everyone's will freely. See, and until Christ's cross embraces everyone's will freely, in other words, until all of his body, me and you and the whole church, until all of his body says, into your hands I commend my spirit. See, the crucifixion is, is still incomplete. Again, not insufficient. Uh, his his uh, sacrifice is sufficient for salvation. But he's drawing all of his body now up into the cross. And we are joining in that movement through this redemptive suffering where we can offer our sufferings uh, for, for other people. For someone who is experiencing physical suffering due to an illness or an injury of some sort, that can help alleviate some of the why me. It can turn that around, can it? Yeah, because it takes the focus off of the self. And also it's very important, we're going to the very dramatic here, like maybe a, a very bad injury to an innocent person. 
like every day on the on the news we hear about car accidents and these types of things and we're just appalled by innocent suffering and uh, how are we going to make it through this so that that's sort of the the extreme if you will we will never be able to enter into this mystery of intercessory prayer and redemptive suffering if we do not practice it in very small ways now and uh, of course uh, through grace it may happen in the extreme we cannot discount any of that ever but for the normal developmental course of faith it usually means that if i don't start thinking of others even while i'm in pain i will always think of myself and my pain so if i don't start in small ways pain will come to define me and this is you know normal it's normal by it's understood that when we are suffering and when we're in pain we're self involved but grace and faith and divine love the very reason christ came is to move us away from that norm so that when you're in pain you're not self involved when you're suffering you're thinking of others of course this we're moving here toward the definition of sanctity but if we're ever to become saints then we need to practice this form of um, selflessness in small ways and this of course was the genius of saint therese of Lisieux in her little way and by that we mean that she practiced offering up her tiniest of sufferings her tiniest of annoyances which were uh, which befell her by simply living with other human beings so you know a particular nun annoyed her because this nun prayed the rosary too loud or made strange sounds when she prayed the rosary and so instead of going over and you know clocking the nun therese said i'm going to offer this up i'm going to suffer this annoyance for the welfare of that nun and for the welfare of others and so in her writing she began to see that she almost looked forward to this nun entering the chapel to begin her rosary in such an annoying way and this is an amazing transformation she looked forward to the nun entering because it would be an opportunity for her to love it would be an opportunity for her to suffer for the love of others now notice all we're talking about here is an annoying person saying the rosary but unless we begin to practice this form of offering up all sorts of tiny little pains we may become the person that we never wanted to become in our elderly uh, stage you know the bitter man the bitter woman because pain has done that to us so unless we begin to translate suffering into love in the small ways we may in fact run into that bitter person in our elderly days the deepest type of suffering that occurs in the average person's life if there is such a person out there is the emotional suffering and from what you said learning how to practice this little way is a response to that but we don't know that way in today's culture instead when we have these types of emotional sufferings we go to practitioners 
who offer us Zoloft mm. or they put us on some type of medication mm-hmm. in order that our response is something we don't have to make an act of our will. Mm-hmm. And of course, psychotherapy, psychiatry are all good gifts that are given to us by God. But your point is deeper than that in that is there a way to achieve some equilibrium in our emotional life by relating that emotional life to a value, to a good, to a truth that is bigger than us, that is uh, greater than us. In other words, God's love, God's reality. So whether it's despair or whether it's sadness or whether it's a moodiness or whether it's a type of um, anger, uh, is there a way to enter into these emotions in the very midst of our relationship with God, which is really what, at least what talking psychotherapy is, right? You're mm-hmm. talking everything out in the midst, in the presence of a person. And so we have an analogy here to prayer, where you want to talk all of this out in the presence of a divine person. So the analogy here also to spiritual direction where in authentic spiritual direction, the director, to some extent, is a non-interfering presence. The director is mediating, matchmaking, if you will, between the directee and God. And the directee, excuse me, the direct spiritual director, is normally just helping the person notice how much God loves the directee. Do you see that? You know, Talk to God. Share those emotions with God. Tell God about that. What's God saying to you about this? So, psychotherapy, spiritual direction, prayer itself, all analogies of this important human experience, which is intimacy. That our emotional life very often is compounded into a sense of paralyzing darkness because we never really share the core of fears and lusts and temptations and difficulties. We never really share the core wounds, sadnesses, griefs with God. And so emotional suffering becomes something that we carry. And of course, when we carry emotional suffering, it also affects the physical, affects the body. We're we're downcast. We feel heavy. Uh, And a lot of times, in our ignorance and our pathetic human state, we'll try to seek relief from that in artificial consolation through drinking or through other escapist behavior. When we should be relating all of that to the truth of God's love. Now, barring any organic uh, problem in a person who may need drugs, uh, this seems to be the normal route the Catholic should take. The Catholic should take this type of therapy, if you will, this type of healing, to be unyielding in honesty with the self. I really hate my father. I really want what my neighbor has. Okay, underlying that hate, underlying that uh, covetousness, what's there? I'm really afraid, or I'm really sad, or I really hate myself, okay? And then you can even go lower or deeper 
into the particularities of your state, your emotional state. Jesus wants us all to, in him, have the courage to share all of that depth with him, which does not chase him away, but actually breaks his heart and draws him closer to us. The great lie of Satan is that if I tell Jesus who I am, he'll be disappointed. No, the great truth of Revelation is if I tell Jesus who I am, he will draw closer, which is the whole mystery of the Incarnation. Of course, God knew who we were in all of our messiness, in all of our brokenness. And look what he did. He got so close, he took on flesh and blood and bone. And so, that make no mistake that somehow your emotional life is embarrassing and to some extent a deal breaker regarding your love, excuse me, God's love of you and your relationship with God. It's just the opposite. The less you reveal to him, and remember, stay in there. Stay with the painful emotions. The more you do that, the more the intimacy deepens between you and God. We'll return in just a moment to The Heart of Hope, Suffering and the Cross of Christ with Deacon James Keating. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. Litany of Humility O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I, that others may be esteemed more than I, that in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. 
that others may be chosen and I set aside. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. That others may be preferred to me in everything. That others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to The Heart of Hope, Suffering and the Cross of Christ with Deacon James Keating. It can feel for the person experiencing that like a crucifixion. Mm -hmm. It can be that agonizing. And it's something that you see when you truly read a thorough life of a saint, whether it be a Therese, you see that she suffered the agonizing depression in some cases. Solanus Casey, the whole spectrum uh, from Padre Pio to Teresa of Avila, they all experienced at some point that emotional agony in the garden. And again, this is um, where the interpenetration of emotions and faith really cut into one another. Because our emotional life a lot of times will carry with it untruths because of the great pain we're in. And whether it's physical pain, of course physical pain is always going to lead to emotional pain. Sometimes emotional pain will lead to a physical malady even, because we're one, we're one person. But a lot of times the pain is so great that we interpret it as abandonment. My life was a waste, the temptation to think, reality, faith, God? I've never seen God, I've never... Is this whole thing has been an illusion. In the midst of our emotional pain or our physical pain, the temptation arises to think that this is an illusion, that there really is no God or there is no God that loves me. And so this is, as we might have said before in a previous conversation, but this really is the place of the birth of pastoral ministry because this is the dangerous point where the emotional pain cuts into the faith and the faith cuts into the emotions and someone has got to make a choice which will define you. The temptation to think that your pain erases the reality of God or that somehow your choice to believe will lead you and open up to the deepest of all intimacy with God. And, and there is crucifixion. Into your hands I commend my spirit. Can't do anything else. Because I certainly don't feel you. 
All I'm feeling is pain and suffering. But I'm going to surrender to you. And in that surrender will come the resurrection. Out of the surrender will come the resurrection. This is what the spiritual writers mean when they say there's no way around the cross. There's no way to escape the cross. And live. Of course, we can all escape the cross and, and die spiritually, emotionally, humanly. There's no way around the cross and, and to live. You have to surrender to that which you cannot see, taste, touch. You have to surrender in faith to a love that is sustaining you. And this is the great paradox. Even though you don't know it, even though you don't feel it, you have to surrender to a love that is sustaining you, even though you don't know it and feel it. This, of course, is a di- on a different plane, but it's analogous to what we're talking about here with Mother Teresa of Calcutta, when at one point she would say things like, Oh, Lord, you are no longer there. Or, Lord, you are no longer with me. Or, I don't believe in you anymore. <laughs> Notice she's carrying on a conversation with a person that she doesn't believe in. Mm-hmm. And this is very paradoxical. And what it means is the affect of life has gone into a darkness, but there is still this connection at the very depth of her heart in faith to God. Otherwise, she wouldn't be addressing a being. It would just be nothingness. It would just be meaninglessness. But she's still carrying on a conversation with a being about the fact that this being cannot be felt or believed in. So it's similar to a marital situation where a husband and wife will fight, and they'll say that they hate each other and that they're they don't want to live with each other anymore, and they'll yell and they scream. And yet they're still in communion with each other because they're talking to each other. They're, they're still trying to reach one another. They, if they've totally given up, they would have just left the room in silence. Why does it have to be so hard? This brokenness of, of the great mystery of, of sin again. And this is the anthropology of the Catholic. And again, just encourage uh, listeners to, to go to some aspect of John Paul's theology of the body, not necessarily for the nuptial imagery or the, uh, the sexual uh, ethics there, but to really meditate in the very beginning sections about his anthropology, his meaning of the human being, the meaning of hum- humanity. This is what we've lost, and we don't teach it in our parishes. We don't have much on Christian anthropology, the meaning of what it means <laughs> to be a human being. And, of course, everyone defines that science, defines it, philosophy at, you know, the local state university defines it. Government tries to define what it means to be a human being. But we have defined what it means to be a human being for thousands of years. And yet a lot of our people do not enter that mystery. And the mystery basically is that a human being is a creature made in the image of God. That means that he or she has the capacity to relate to God which in itself is taken for granted. But this is a great claim by the church, that we can actually reach God through our mind, our will, our affect. And yet, there is a disturbance in the union. And that disturbance makes it more difficult, not impossible, but it makes it more difficult for us to attain happiness. And this is due to uh, this great mystery, the origin of the human race where humans decided 
that that intimacy with God was too risky, and we will go at it alone. And we've been going at it alone ever since Adam and Eve. And yet God pulls us back with bands of love, as Hosea says. He calls us back with bands of love. He draws us back, and that's the history of humankind, that we will go it alone, and then God will capture us. He will enchant us, and we will move back to him. And those who move back to him are called the saved, and those who continue to go it alone are called the damned. And unfortunately, from the time we are born until the time we die, it's easier to go toward the damned. In other words, it's easier for us to choose the self than to choose love. And this ease to choose the self rather than love is compounded when physical and emotional suffering enter our lives. Because it's so much easier for us to curse God and die and to say there is no God and there is no love. And yet to mount that cross with Christ and still believe that the Father is a loving Father is excruciating in its uh, pain as we move back toward love and faith and hope. And yet it's the only route for the broken human. Uh, We have to go through that pain because of our brokenness. We are limping into heaven, and so we need to go through the hospital of the cross. Remember, we cannot be with God if we are not holy. And all that is unholy in us has to be purified. And so we do that through penance, but we can also do that by offering our innocent sufferings and the sufferings from our sins, offer them up, take them on as a way of purification so that someday in grace we'll be worthy to be with the saints. The key is to start. Start in that little way. Don't start uh, too big because we'll be discouraged. In whatever you're wrestling with now regarding suffering or pain, regarding your own sins, take little steps toward Christ. Remember, Christ is going to lift you, like he did Therese of Lisieux on that elevator. He'll lift you up. You cannot make it to where you want to go. He will take you there. And as part of taking you there, there will be inevitable suffering because it's not natural for us to want to be with God. It's natural for us to want to be involved in ourselves and in this age. So there the pain will be getting adjusted to a new home. But Christ is helping you, gently lifting you, working in you, and eventually taking you to where you want to be, your heart's desire. You've been listening to The Heart of Hope with Deacon James Keating. To hear and or to download this episode along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we ask that you tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for 
The Heart of Hope with Deacon James Keating.